Welcome to the Medicare Stars Podcast, hosted by Dr. Peter Saw, a podcast that holds insightful discussions with subject matter experts on a variety of topics that influences the performance of Medicare Stars in healthcare organizations. Hello and welcome to the podcast of Medicare Stars. I'm your host, and today we're going to talk about a topic that has been um, so popular for the right reasons, which is health equity. Um, healthcare without walls and thus leveraging um, data to address health equity. So joining us today is Carissa Stagnard, um, the VP of Business Development at Insighten Health. Um, Carissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to have you here as well. Um, so we're going to dive into it, but before that, um, tell us about yourself and also um, your work at Insight and Health, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so as you said, my name is Carissa Steinrai, and I am the Vice President of Business Development with Insight and Health. My background is as a social worker, um, and I spent the last 10 years in the health plan world, which is where I met the team here at Insight and Health. Um, loved the type of work that they were doing and the, the passion and the innovation um, behind their thinking and their models. And so joined the team about three years ago. We are a SaaS-based company that provides an end-to-end solution for member experience um, and member engagement. So we work pretty specifically with the uh, government market space with health plans and really looking at the key points along the member journey that may be sources of um, abrasion or, or you know, cause some some conflict for members, and look to really understand what those drivers of that of that negative experience is, and really be proactive about getting ahead of that and doing something about it to really improve the member experience, improve health health outcomes, and lifetime member value. Amazing! That's a really great work um, that you're doing at Insight and Health. Um, so let's dive into our um, topic today, um, which is. Health equity, um, healthcare without walls. Uh, we will start with cultural comp- competency uh, because it's closely uh, related to health equity um, in the sense that uh, it plays a key role in ensuring that healthcare, you know, services are accessible, um, it's effective, and also it's equi- it's um, it's equitable um, for all members. So, you know, what is the importance of Um, cultural competency and how can plans improve cultural competency? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And so when I think about cultural competency, for me, the biggest piece of that is really beginning to understand members as a holistic person. Um, So, you know, think Maslow's hierarchy of needs, really understanding what are what are the the barriers that a person may be experiencing to achieving health and to accessing quality health care um, and being able to really meet that person where they're at, speak to them in a way in which is meaningful for them uh, and really beginning to understand um, what is their health literacy level? Um, what are their cultural beliefs and background that might be driving their healthcare decisions? And ensuring that we're we're being very respectful and sensitive to that um, in the healthcare in the healthcare space. Mm, amazing. So, from what you're saying, um, it's, it looks like health um, um, culture competency, um, one way or the other, increases uh, patient satisfaction. 
um, the, it's, the patient is able to, um, the, the healthcare provider is able to show respect uh, for the, uh, the patient or the member's um, culture beliefs, um, what their practices are, and, you know, this is likely to impact uh, um, how the member feels about their care, which, you know, ties them into um, patient satisfaction, which, you know, it boils down to caps as well. So I can see, you know, um, a relationship between uh, culture competency, patient satisfaction, um, and, you know, the overall caps, um, you know, that uh, we all uh, are very passionate about. So uh, for me too, when I look, when I think about, you know, culture competency, you know, trust goes a long way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, building that trust and building that uh, rapport uh, with the with the member because that is the best place you can have the, the member. If, if you can get them to trust you, then they are going, they are prone to um, listen, they are prone to follow um, directions um, with your care, they are prone to follow up with visits. Um, and this all starts with, you know, building that bond, building that respect, which a great way to initiate that is um, through um, cultural competency. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, CMS and MCQA are shifting uh, most of the STARS measures to um, health equity. This year, the HEDIS measures are reporting on um, um, race and ethnicity uh, for um, the various HEDIS measures. So in the advance notice, CMS also proposed, um, of, you know, replacing the, re um, the reward factor uh, with health equity index, which, you know, for 2027 star ratings is going to, you know, better incentivize uh, Medicare Advantage organizations and even Part D sponsors um, to focus on um, improving care for enrollees and yeah. those with social risk factors, right? And, and so what are the drivers um, for um, social risk factors and what can plans do to identify or find um, the population with social risk factors? And I'm asking this because um, the decision that CMS is proposing to uh, make, um, to take in 2024, is majorly going to impact Medicare Advantage uh, plans, and it's going to compel them to look at various ways to diversify uh, their membership to ensuring that they identify, you know, those members that have social needs as well. Um, so, what are the drivers? Now, first of all, and you know, what should plans do so they'll be able to identify the populations with um, social risk factors? Yeah. So specifically for that health equity index that is being proposed to replace the reward factor, um, what CMS is looking at right now is uh, dual eligible status, low income subsidy status, and disability status are the three main things. Um, there, there's been some talk that area deprivation index may be something that's in, included in that. And you're absolutely right. I think it's really going to kind of shake up the stars world. So yeah. your 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 DSNIP plans who have been really doing a great job of of managing and, and working with and helping members um, who have some of these who have some of these barriers. Um, are really used to this, but your your straight Medicare Advantage plans, number one, 
understanding what part of their population meets that criteria. Um, because if they if they don't have a, a significant enough population that that is experiencing these these challenges, um, they they don't even have kind of have the ability to receive any sort of incentive as part of this model. So to your yeah. point, diversifying their membership is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. And then beginning to to just take a really good, honest look at what do health outcomes and gap closure, what does that look like for um, for that population and, and where it is, that population may not be having the same um, great health outcomes or closing the same gaps in care, really starting to look at why. So it's, it's not enough to know kind of those specific statuses or criteria. We really have to get down to what are the challenges that might be driving that that inequity or driving that lack of access to care and start to begin to implement um, interventions that are that are really going to help to serve that 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 population of your membership. And, you know, what's really exciting is that I think that this is going to help um, really bring forward more robust data. So plans are are going to need to be relying on providers to start using those Z codes that indicate um, SDOH barriers. They're going to need to have some data interoperability with um, the the CBOs and, and really begin to get that information. And, and also to your point is we're going to have to think think a little more, we're going to have to think differently about how we collect that information. Um, Because to the point of of trust, you know, kind of the the random person from the health plan calling your member to do a health risk assessment or something of of that nature, um, that, that may not be the most positive experience. So allowing that member to interact with the individuals with whom they are already very comfortable and, and share those, share that information, share those data points, um, and then share the, the barriers and challenges that, that go along with that um, with a person that they, that they really have a trusting relationship with will be really important. Mm-hmm. So it, it appears to be that data definitely it's going to be um, playing a huge role in this and also providers being able to um, capture uh, members with um, SDOH um, um, issues, so that can be also uh, reported over to plans. And as you mentioned, they have to be connectivity, uh, looking at different ways that plans will be able to uh, retrieve this data um, from from providers, uh, you know, in a very succinct way, um, where it, it also allows the plan to be able to. Um, timely be able to address these issues um, as the member age because the, the provider can send the data, but the, t- the timing of it can play a huge role whether the initiatives that a plan intends to take can be effective or not. And what I mean by this is maybe there are members that have been identified in these some transportation issues, but whereas this is the case, whereas maybe with a provider, it might take several weeks or God knows uh, with, you know, the transmission of the data to the health plan. And then we have the member waiting to be served in this area, um, you know, to, to be catered for in this area. And so the, the transmission of the data, uh, it's also something that I, I think is it's also going to be key as much as we need our providers to be able to capture this information um, in a timely manner. Um, and I, I, li- I like, you know, the fact that you pointed out data and also you mentioned that beside the data, it's also important to understand why we're having these 
um, challenges or why um, these barriers exist uh, with these members, access to care and all of that. Um, so what do you think plans can do to um, eliminate significant um, health inequities that exist in our system? And we're going to touch on the data aspect of this, uh, but let, let's, let's look at what you think plans going forward would be able to do to eradicate or eliminate uh, the uh, the inequities that exist in the health system. Yeah, so I think the first step to to eliminating or, or, or reducing inequities is is understanding them. So it is identifying it's identifying who those members are that are experiencing health inequities, um, and really. And I love that we're going to talk about data, but I don't want to forget the human element of it either. We all have to kind of challenge ourselves and get really comfortable with having very honest and meaningful conversations as we're engaging with members um, to ask the questions and be kind of prepared for the answers. So as we start to ask more questions of, of members around social risk factors um, and barriers to care that they have, we need to be prepared to do something with that. So we can't kind of just open Pandora's box and then and then not have a solution. And so- exactly. I think that you know plans also looking at where they're where they're investing in in the local community and where they're investing in community based organizations to ensure that that those programs that are out there are really equipped to to help members so that when we do ask those questions we begin to identify that that we know that we have strong stable um, resources to to refer members to that are going to be able to kind of um, scale very quickly and easily and um, in a culturally sensitive way so I think it's asking the question but it's also really um, looking at your community resources and investing in them to ensure that they can they can meet the needs um, as they're identified identifying identifying the members that need those services um, the human element of it you touched on it um, having being able to have those meaningful meaningful conversations which sometimes um, it, it, it can be it, it, it can be challenging in a way in the sense that uh, it takes a special skill right and again it goes back to the, our first um, you know um, discussion on cultural competency. Um, in order to be able to have that meaningful conversation with that member, you have to be able to build that bond. Um, you have to be able to establish that respect, establish that trust. So the patient feels safe enough, the member feels safe enough, they feel comfortable enough to be able to share um, the challenges or the barriers that they have. And, um, um, I, I once heard somebody say, it's, it's one thing to, um, to go in to be seen by a healthcare provider, but if you're not open about what you're dealing with, then you know, you, you're not gonna be able to get the tools or the resources or the help that is needed for um, you to be catered. So definitely, I think the meaningful conversation uh, really plays a, a role. We need to be able to um, engage our members in a meaningful way, the human element, um, not making it a business or a transactional um, you know, relationship where Absolutely. it seems like just, I just want to get this done and I move on to the next uh, person. You know, this all about, we have to look at it from a standpoint of, this is all about you. This yeah. is meant for instance, um, how can I make things better? So 
I, I really like that. And I don't know what I don't know. And so really, you know, being appreciative of the fact that um, the, and being good listeners, being appreciative of the fact that we we have not walked a mile in that person's shoes and we really want to listen and learn um, about their experiences. Exactly. Exactly. Let, let's look at uh, the data piece of it. Like you've mentioned earlier that we need to understand the members uh, or identify the members uh, that needs these uh, services that have these barriers. And again, it will start with data. So what can plants do to improve data collection to address health um, equity? Yeah, so I, there are a couple of key ways to collect that data. The The first one is directly from the member. So um, including those social risk factor questions in your assessments and in your conversations with members, that's going to be the most sort of meaningful, honest, impactful way to obtain that information. But certainly working with the provider community um, to ensure that we're really beginning to use good documentation um, and the providers are getting comfortable with asking those questions and leveraging the, the Z codes and methodologies to report that back to the plans. Um, and we talked about data interoperability and so really also connecting with those good CBO um, platforms and vendors to, to pull that information from there as well and looking at what we have publicly available and sort of what we know about at a zip code level, at a county level, at a, at a um, city level, what do we kind of already know um, and really layering all of those pieces of information together so that we have a really comprehensive picture of, of what, what's going on with, with your membership panel. Mm. This, um, so this connects to the data um, from providers, um, encouraging our providers to be able to capture um, members with social risk factors, um, especially during their visits. Um, and using the Z codes, um, like you mentioned, what are the Z codes for someone who doesn't know what Z, Z codes are? Yeah, it is. It is a code that a that providers can use that indicate if a member has um, some sort of barrier to care. So things like a lack of access to transportation, a lack of stable housing, um, food insecurity. So there are codes that indicate um, that a member is experiencing one of those struggles. And so having having the providers ask those questions in a way in which allows members to be really honest and transparent about that, and then providing that back to the health plans. So, Carissa, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking of a former a former boss of mine that I worked with um, when I worked at a decent plan, and the two things I remember her telling me: we would go to these executive leadership meetings, and I always wanted to be like the golden star kid who had everything right on track on my scorecard. And the first thing she told me is. Red is good. So red means that we are really being honest about what is what is not going right and what is what is not going well. And we can't begin to improve until we get honest and say what isn't working. And then as part of that, fail fast. So this idea of we've got to try things, we've got to innovate, we've got to be different, think outside of the box. And that's not always going to work. So be willing to kind of try something, test and learn, see how it goes. And when it's not going well, quickly acknowledge, all right, we had this hypothesis, we tried this thing, it didn't work out, fail fast and let's move on to the next um, to the next item. And so that really allowed me to be so much more transparent with my leadership about 
you know, what what do we need as a company, as a department to really meet the goals that we've set? And so if you can't kind of honestly say what isn't working and you're not willing to kind of try things that are that may not work out, um, then you really sort of limit your ability to innovate and come up with really cool, innovative um, new ideas. Mm, absolutely. That's a great piece of advice. Um, uh, being open and, and transparent. And sometimes we, we applaud, you know, we like to highlight the the accomplishments, the strides we're making, right. but as much as we do that, and we want the world to see, we want everyone to see, uh, I, I, it also makes sense to also be able to highlight what struggles uh, that we have, and then through that, we're able to uh, find solutions. And like you said, um, fail fast. I've heard that advice before, and, and 100%, if you're going to fail, fail far fast so you can move on to you know, your next trial um, and, and, uh, and apply the lessons learned um, from, your, you know, from your past experience. So that's a, a great piece of, the, of advice. Well, Carissa, it's been a great discussion with you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and also sharing um, your insight on um, health equity and how we'll be able to help plants to be able to uh, utilize or leverage data to um, address healthcare barriers. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thanks for having me. This was great. Amazing. Well, guys, I hope um, you've enjoyed our discussion today as well. Thank you so much for your time and listening to our conversation today. I'll see you in the next um, episode. Have a good one, everybody. If you found today's conversation as informative as we did, please take a moment, subscribe to the podcast, and share with your network. Thanks for joining us for the Medicare Stars podcast, and see you next time.